Hi everyone and welcome to the Perma Podcast. Um, I'm James Prescott, I'm your host today and uh, yeah, got another guest for you today. Um, somebody I've got to know recently. Um, he is a poet and an author and a blogger um, and a great guy and I'm looking forward to talking to him. His name is David Andrews, all the way from New Zealand. Hello David. Hey, it's great to be here. Great to be here, James, and, and thanks for inviting me on your podcast. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to chatting with you. Yeah, I'm in, I'm looking forward to hearing your more of your story and sharing that with people. Um, David has written some amazing poetry. Um, you have to check out his website. It's it's really great. He's got a powerful story as well. So we're going to talk about that. So just yeah, just first, just tell us a bit about kind of what you do now, and then we'll get into your story. Um, Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, look, um, all the poetry and other creative things I do, like most people, is my um, my part time job. So I do work full time as well for the government in, in New Zealand. Um, um, I do a few other things. So I have a um, have a consulting business that I sort of run also part time. We do sort of leadership coaching and a and a few other things like that. And yeah, and try and fit in all the the poetry and and mountain biking and all that other creative stuff in between, really. So, so it all adds up to a fairly, uh, fairly busy, uh, busy life, really. Yeah, yeah. So, tell us a bit about the journey into um, into your poetry, like your faith. Tell us a bit about your faith journey because you've got a very powerful uh, faith journey, haven't you? So, uh, just tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I started off, um, I guess, as Dusty Springfield would say, you know, the son of a preacher man. So uh, my dad was a, a Methodist minister, and so I grew up in the Methodist church. Um, I mean, an amazing heritage, you know, the Methodist church. Mm. And, and like most people, mm. um, I sort of grew up, um, I guess it, you could say it was the foundation of my faith. But I, I guess, you know, when I got to probably around 13 or 14 I became, you know, I guess slightly disillusioned, like most teenagers do, with um, with everything, but particularly um, yeah. particularly the church and looking for for different experiences. Um, so I sort of moved on and went to a more sort of evangelical or fundamentalist type church, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, really, just for a different experience and for something um, that I was, I guess, I was searching for, because you know, there's there's really good things about the traditional. Um, churches and the, and and the faith and the history they come from, but but you know in my experience they also also lack something as well. So spent some time um, you know in, in the sort of evangelical church and um, and and I guess you know after a while some of that became a little bit um, uh, not, not so much too much, but just a, a, a sort of a little bit disenfranchising as well. Yeah, and um, sure. I guess like most people you know and most Christians you need to find your own faith in your own way. And what it actually means to you, and how it actually works, you know, Monday through Saturday, um, yeah. and, and church and Sundays are really important, but it's not the end of end of the week. Um, you know, it's the, it's mm. what you do for the rest of the week, and how you you know work out your faith. That's really important. So um, you know, so so it's been a sort of a, a I guess a cycle of you know trying different churches, going to different places, and and I guess over the last five or ten years. Actually, getting quite disenfranchised with the whole idea of religion and and church and and how sometimes it's more like a country club that you're going to and there's a mm. you know a set of rules and a set of ways of doing things and either you subscribe to them um, or you don't. 
Um, so yeah. I guess that's where I found myself, and, and that's probably where the real search um, began. And what was it? Was what was it that was happening in your life that kind of triggered that? Um, I mean, that's a really good question. I, I think it's just um, probably just growing up, really, and, and and just looking for for different experiences and and. You know, U2 has an amazing song, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, mm, you know, and, that and that's the story of yeah. most people, right? And and it's certainly where I found myself, you know, that. so I've had this experience, I've had another one, but I still really haven't found what it is that I'm searching for. So um, it was mm. probably just, a, you know, the continued search for, for meaning and for God and, yeah. and all those things, really. Yeah, so it's interesting that you went through all these different experiences in different traditions, and each of them probably telling you that you needed to fill a God-shaped hole, you know, because, you know, if you've been around church, then there's always some reference to that in some way, shape or form, you know. And actually, when you get to it, none of them actually satisfy. And you kind of, you're looking for something else, you know. Um, it wasn't enough. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, I, I, I've, I've talked to a lot of people who've been on this journey, and a lot of them say something very, very similar, that they'd been through all of all of these other ways of encountering God, but none of them was was enough. Um, yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. And and I've talked with similar people as well. And, and I guess it shouldn't be any surprise to us because, you know, if God created us in his own image, then um, there's a whole lot of expression and interpretation of what that actually means in the world, you know, and it's very hard to find, you know, one set of people or one group, one community or one church that represents all of that. And, you know, and so so that's been my experience. And I guess, you know, I've heard from some people saying that, well, you know, you should stick it out of out of a church because, you know, probably the one thing um, that should keep you there is um, the thing that you really need. And, you know, that sounds really, really cute and really sort of, mm. <laughs> sort of a nice thing. Today, but I've never really found that to be true, you know. And, and I think it's quite, it's quite fine that... Um, you know, people find church in all sorts of places. So, you know, mm. I, I'm really into mountain biking. So often on a Sunday morning, I'll get up into the hills outside Wellington here. Um, mm. You know, it's a 10-minute bike from my house and get up into the mountains and the hills and, and I find I find church there. I find God there. Um, I think it's about, it's really about doing church rather than going to it. Yeah, I, 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 I completely agree. Um, Rob Bell talks about how he... He goes surfing every Sunday morning. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's that, right. That's his spiritual right. practice. You know, like that's his church. You want to call it? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, that's true. And and for, for for different people, they have different experiences. You know, and it's whatever mm. brings you close to the divine, whatever brings you close to to the presence, and, and whatever you can dance in. You know, with with God, I think is the um the thing that you need to get get closer to. So, yeah. I think yeah. more people should do it. I guess what I would say though is there is a place for community, mm. and you, you can you know you can withdraw and, and be, become quite insular, and that doesn't really help when you're trying to explore, you know, the issues of faith and God and, and and the universe. You really need to do that with with people in some shape or form. You know, whether it's in in a group with other people physically or whether it's you know via social networking. There's lots mm. of different ways to do that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's yeah. I mean, nowadays we need it more than ever because so many people are leaving traditional forms of church. 
And, they are. That's right. And you know, and I, and also because I believe that God is that everything is spiritual, and that God is any way you look for Him, you know, you can encounter God, the divine. Um, oh, absolutely, you know. absolutely agree. And and you know, that trying to separate your spiritual life from your non-spiritual life is is probably one of the biggest ways not to find God. You know, because I don't I don't really believe that He created a, a non-spiritual life. You know, it's like when yeah. um, yeah. it's like if you met Jesus and said, "So, how's your spiritual life going?" I don't think He'd have a clue what you're talking about. No, I don't think He would. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like. That's right. Everything is spiritual. Everything is connected. It's not either or, or in out or whatever. This binary way of thinking. This is like this. It's it's inclusive. Everything belongs. Everything, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. There's no binaries. You know. It's um, absolutely. You can find yeah. God in all things. A lot of that. Yeah, that's I, what... Have you read? Have you read Richard Raw? I take it. I have. I've, I've read a yeah. few of his books. You listen to a few of his podcasts. So yeah, really like. He's what Richard awesome. has to say about the, you know, the non-duality. So it's, it's as you say, it's not an either or. It's a this and that, yeah. and something else probably. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. Um, and it's yeah, it, that I think that way God always becomes bigger, doesn't he? Um, anything which makes God bigger is a good thing. Um, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, the the minute that you think, I think it was Rob Bell that said this in one of his books. Um, you know, the minute that you have God figured out in nice little yeah, lines yeah, yeah. in a box, you know, you're not dealing with God anymore. You've completely, you know, yeah. missed the opportunity and the experience. So it's something that to always, I yeah. think, keep in mind. Um, and and that, can, that can really mess with your head because, you know, on one hand you want to search and find something, but it's actually the searching that's the most important um, part of the of the journey, if it you is. like. It is. Yeah, it is. Searching is what we're doing most of the time, I think. Yeah, yeah, then waiting for traffic lights. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, yes, absolutely. I think you spend about a, about a third of your life waiting at a traffic lights, apparently. Really? Gosh, that's scary. That is very scary. Um, wow. So, okay, so you've been on this, you're talking about this spiritual journey you've been on. Um, how did that lead you into poetry and writing um what was your your journey for your creative journey um so i've always really liked um writing and i i remember at school i you know i wasn't a great student to be fair at school but um i did i did enjoy words and just playing with words but it's probably um it's not something i sort of really thought about again until maybe about five or six years ago so you know there's been a bit of a gap since i was at school you know, mm. and um, and um, I guess it's one of those things. You know, you sometimes you search for things, and you think, well, what was it that I really enjoyed in my childhood? And I remember that I used to like words and playing with words and, and putting things together. So, so I just sort of started really and had a bit of a go and, and created a few things. Wrote some poems. You know, didn't really show anyone. Um, you know, there's a real stigma, to be honest, if you're a middle-aged man. You know, writing poetry. Because um, you know most people make assumptions about what that means and what it looks like, but um, I, for me the um, the journey into poetry or, or back into poetry um, was really yeah quite a um, quite a quick one and and quite an intense journey. So mm. I just felt the need to you know write stuff and 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 probably within the space of 
you know, maybe six months, I sort of wrote a hundred or 150 poems and, you know, some of them were, oh. some of them were good. Some of them were rubbish. Um, some of them will never see the light of day, <laughs> but, mm. but as I read back and thought, well, this is really interesting. I, I'd, I'd never realized that, um, you know, I guess that I had this, you know, talent or strength, if you like. And it was just a, it was a bit of a natural process really. So, you know, I sort of wrote a poem a day for a, I remember about for three months, which was quite um, quite exhausting, but yeah. it was actually it was actually quite easy to do it, which may sound odd. No, I, I resonate. Um, I've written poetry myself in my time, and I yeah, and I've had those seasons. I've had those seasons as a writer where you just every day you just have something else to write. It's just there, and uh, you just have to put it on paper or on your laptop, you know, and, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. And, and it was a bit, it was a bit like that. So it, I, I went through about a, a season for about probably, you know, 18 months or so when I was just writing, you know, pretty much all the time. And, mm. and I remember even, you know, when I was at work and meetings, I'd be, you know, taking notes, but what I'd actually be doing was writing poetry <laughs> or writing some ideas down or, or you know, yeah. and I went to a conference once in Australia and I remember, you know, it was a, it was sort of an interesting conference, but some of it was a bit dry. So I, you know, I wrote a couple of poems there. You know, it was just wherever the opportunity um, strikes, and when, whenever you sort of feel inspired, you sort of it's really good to be able to to drop stuff and and just write if you can. Yeah, it is. I absolutely agree. And I've I've been there too with the writing at work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably not a good sign about how good your job is. Like, I don't do it in my current job because. I don't have time because I'm busy and I oh, like my yeah, job. Yeah. But, no, neither do neither do I. I have to say. But um, <laughs> yeah, in case anyone's listening, um, <laughs> um, Simon loves his job. Um, so, okay, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you: is there, is there like one or one? I mean, what what was that birthed out of? Was there were there things going on inside of you which kind of gave birth to those poems? Um, oh, oh, yeah, probably. Um, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit in the distant past. So it's really interesting, like, you know, just um, doing a bit of preparation for talking with you. I, I obviously went back and read my book again because I thought that's mm. probably a useful thing to do. And mm. I hadn't looked at it for probably a couple of years. And I, and I read through and, you know, the thing with poetry is that, I mean, as, as you know, and I'm sure all your listeners do, you can read a poem and it speaks to you in different ways. And, mm. and what I'm noticing now is that, I can still remember the story or the the event or whatever inspired me to, to write that poem. But as I reread it, you know, I think of different things and it creates mm. a new narrative and a new story, depending on where you're at and, and, and I guess what you're going through. So so I guess to answer your question, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of one particular thing that, that sort of started the process, just that I felt this, I guess, this overwhelming desire to write things down. And, you know, some people call it, you could call it a gift, you could call it a God moment if you wanted to spiritualise it. Um, but, you know, it's just what I felt and that's what I did. Yeah. I was going to ask you actually, some, like we might ask you today sometime, some point today to um, to, read a, to read one of those poems out. Um, sure. Maybe one, that yeah. means, maybe one that means a lot to you and then we yeah. can maybe talk about the story behind that poem because... I mean, yeah. a lot of people that listen to this podcast are spiritual people, um, mm. usually kind of Christians, uh, or some, um, but also 
we get a lot of writers listening to this podcast as well and poets sure. so I know that they'll probably benefit by hearing about the creative process behind one of those poems you know because yeah um, and it would just be fascinating to hear it because especially given the journey that you've been on the spiritual journey yeah. that you're on um, because I'm sure that that had a had an impact on some of the poetry um, mm. so do, do you have one to read Oh, yeah, look, it's like asking me to pick my favourite child, right? And and I have three kids, and they're all my favourites, for the record, because they might (laughs) listen to this sometime, or they might not. Um, Yeah, look, it's really hard to pick. I mean, they're all different and and meaningful for different reasons, but um, I guess there is is one that I I sort of looked at. Um, So I'll read it through, and then we can sort of talk a little bit about it, if if that works. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, so this this poem is called Open Season. There's a tree outside my house. The branches are all bare. It shivers in the cold and aching midnight air. In winter, the tree is pruned. It looks so different from before. Some would say so broken, so desolate and poor. The pruning now has finished. Its wounds are weeping sores. But deep within its restless soul, its heart has been restored. It knows the seasons well and that winter leads to spring, new life, new growth, a brand new heart. Death has lost its sting. Um, As read by the author. (laughs) Wow, that's brilliant. Oh, man, that's just, there's so much in that poem. That's just, and even, and then knowing your story as well, it kind of, Oh, there's so much in that poem. Uh, I don't know where to begin. Um, do you remember what you were thinking when you wrote it? Oh, well, p- p- yeah, so so um, there was a tree outside my house, and, and it was outside our kitchen. And um, I just, it may sound silly, but I, I always noticed in the winter, and this is obvious, that they had no leaves, right? And then you, you notice through the seasons how it sort of grows and, mm. and new life forms. And then it goes through another season of sort of where it becomes bare and branches, you know, snap off and, and you know, things happen to trees because that's how they grow and regenerate. And, and there's obviously a metaphor there, you know, for, for seasons in our life, um, for mm. things that we go through. Um, and, and and just knowing that it's a process. So, you know, everyone goes through those seasons, those winter seasons where, where things are bleak and dreary, you know. I'm going to look outside now, and it's it's still quite dark. You know, it's about 7.30 in the morning here in New Zealand. We're in the middle of winter. Um, it's cold. It's rainy. Um, there's not much life or growth around this time of the morning. Um, and then, you know, things change. But we know in winter that stuff happens, right? So we know in our mm. lives that in the winter seasons, you, you may feel like you're dying. You may feel that things are um, things are dropping off. Mm. Um, but actually what is happening is, is it's things are regenerating and it's really important to, I think to remember that and it's really hard to remember that when you're going through it but then when you get to that spring season and you've noticed something's changed there's a whole lot of restoration that goes on there a whole lot of redemption and um, it's it's just quite um, quite amazing to notice those type of things and, and I think it's all it is all in the noticing you know and mm. stopping and just waiting for these things to um to be rebirthed or rekindled, if you like. Yeah, I mean, there's so much in that poem. It could be, yeah, I mean, everything you mentioned. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like our whole lives encapsulated 
in a poem, in a tree, you know. And but also there's elements of like our spiritual journey and um, yeah, and yeah, the creative yeah. journey and 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 everything. I mean, what does but that? There is a bit of a um, yeah. Um, Sorry, go ahead. Um, so I was just I was just reflecting. You know, it's really the whole. Um, you know, Joseph Campbell, uh, which I, I know you're a fan of. You know, writes. Um, writes about the hero's journey, you know, the hidden yeah. world and the, the unseen world and the known world and, and how mm. life is a cycle. And, and in every story or every great movie that you've ever watched, it follows the same type of pattern. And, and our, mm. our lives really reflect those stories, which perhaps is why we find, you know, movies like like Star Wars, you know, like The Lord of the Rings, um, like any great movie that's done well, it, it has a, a similar story. You know, and, mm, yeah. and you go through the seasons, you know, and, and you're going through, you know, in, into the, the unknown world and suddenly these helpers appear from nowhere, you know, people to help you through the journey. Um, yeah. And that's part of a season as well, moving into a new season and, and you go right through. So so without, you know, overdoing the metaphor, because um, plenty of people have talked about seasons and it's a real, you know, and it's, look, it's a real buzzword in, in some evangelical churches as well, eh? So without going there and trivialising it, um, I think it is an important cycle to notice in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful poem. But, um, is that from your uh, your book? Uh, yeah, it is. It is from my um, from my book. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about the book and how that came about and um, what it's about. Yeah, well, the, the process of putting the book together, I guess, started, um, you know, probably about six or seven years ago. So, you know, here in New Zealand, um, I guess there's plenty of people that write po write poems. There's lots of, you know, poets around. Um, as you know, there's different types of poetry, you know. Um, I guess the, the type of poetry I was writing, I'd probably, if you wanted to categorise it, it's, it's sort of, um, you know, real sort of um, Celtic poetry um, mm. and, and sort of, based on, you know, blessing and, um, you know, things like benedictions and finishing well and all those type of things. So, um, look, look, there wasn't a lot of, um, you know, groups or other people I could talk to about this. So I guess, you know, I went on Facebook like most people do and said, well, who else does this stuff, you know, around the world? And, and I guess quickly I, I found a group of a couple of communities, a couple of writing groups that were doing similar things. So, you know, mm. joined up with those and we, you know, shared a few stories, shared our process together um, a couple of these groups were in the in the states, uh, and, and um, you know the process over there for publishing, particularly in, in this type of you know genre or, or in these type of categories, is you know you you do your hard graph, you do your work, and then you go and find a publisher. And the whole mm. process of finding a publisher is you know fraught with difficult difficulty. You know you go through numerous you know rejections and and numerous publishing houses, and and it's all a a real sort of hard slog. So, you know, I, I thought, well, why would I want to do that? <laughs> so, I've, you know, I wrote a whole lot of poems. It was pretty ready to go. Uh, I guess the, the useful thing about writing poetry is um, while there's a bit of editing in it, um, a lot of it doesn't really matter that much, you know. Mm, and, interesting. You know, and even if, even if you make a mistake or you put a comma in the wrong place, you can say, well, you know, that was just ironic and that's why I put it there. Yeah. <laughs> there's lots of, there's lots, lots of literary devices you can hide behind, right? Um, yeah, so, as know, a poet, for sure, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I chose a couple of good, good, you know, trusted friends I knew and they helped me review it. Um, and then I really just went on and found an electronic um, self-publishing website 
um, that I could use mm. and just made the book. Uh, literally, uh, you uploaded it to a template. Um, yeah. Then I think you paid for your first book and then you could order as many as you like and they send you a nice widget you can put on your website so that people can order it and they, they take care of all that stuff. So it was really easy. Um, but the interesting thing about that story is, is I shared that experience with my friends in, in America on this writers group and they were all just, just horrified that I'd gone down that track and said, you know, how could you, how could you just, you know, self-publish? And I said, well, I guess for me, the most important thing was getting the thing together and getting it out there. And that was the, the you know, the easiest, cheapest and best way to do it. But I guess in their mind and in their way of thinking, you know, the finding a publisher going through that journey was really important for them. So, you know, so that's fine. And some of them are still mm. trying to find their publisher, but. Yeah. At the end of the day, I uh, thought it's more important to get the words out. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that, actually. I mean, self-publishing um, is a really underestimated and underused um, way of doing things. And actually, it mm. gives you a lot more creative control over your work. And mm. That's right, um, that's right. From a purely yeah. financial point of view, it means you get more of the, more of the money uh, as well. Um and yeah, there's a lot of benefits to self-publishing, definitely. Yeah, yeah, um, I, think, I think there are. I mean, you know, the, I guess the one drawback is you know you have to do most of your own distribution and yeah. and marketing. Um, yeah, that's but, the payoff. Yeah, it depends what what you're in it for. You know, for me, it was just about oh, I just really want to do this for myself actually, and I don't really care if I sell any copies, and and I haven't sold many, um, but that's okay because you know I just wanted to put it together and you know and just um, yeah, it's like the, like like the process and and seeing the product through from beginning to, to end is, is really satisfying. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? The whole the whole creative process is not just actually the writing of the words no. themselves. It's it's getting them out there into the world. It's making something um, and then sharing it with people. And that's what it's all about for me at the end of the day. And obviously all of us want to have more success and sell lots of books and you know, and do well and have lots of people read our work. But I think if that's our only, if, if getting lots of readers is our only motive, we're not going to create authentic, really great work. Um, I think, and what you've done is amazing because it's just, you've just written poetry that's been birthed inside of you and from your story. Um, and obviously amazing poetry because we heard that poem earlier and you just want to, you just want people to, to be blessed by it, you know, to, to hear it and to get it out there to people. And yeah, well, well um, yeah, I mean, th- thanks very much. I mean, those, those comments are really, um, really important to, to, to hear and, and um, appreciate them. Um, I, I guess, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is important to, to get, you know, get this poetry out and for people to read it. Um, I, I think what's more important though is, is, is part, it's part of your own journey and, mm. and part of who you are. Yes. Um, so you know, yes. I, I know I've, I've grown a lot through the process, and um, you know, I guess you know, would I do another book? Not sure. I mean, I've written more poetry. Um, I could do one, but I, I don't feel the, the you know pressing need to to go out and, and publish again. I might do. I might not. And, I, and I'm quite comfortable now and holding that quite lightly. And and I guess maybe that's where the the journey for me has changed a bit. You know, before it was all I must write, must must get things down, must do lots and lots of poems. Now it's like if I do one a month, then that's good. And mm. if I don't do one for six months, then that's also good, you know, I think. Yeah, it's all um, about the journey, isn't it? It's all about, 
you know, I mean, I have, I'm having a season where I'm not writing as much at the moment, you know. Yeah. And I've got, I've got plenty of book ideas that I want to write and books that I want to mm. write, um, but it's just not the right time to write them. Um, and, um, and I'm okay with that, you know, um, because yeah, it's part yeah. of the journey. Um, at some point you have to, you know, be disciplined and be intentional and, and do the work, but there's a scene, it's like that, I mean, that poem, crikey, um, it's amazing you chose that poem, but it's like seasons, you know, seasons of life and, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. some seasons you need, you need a break and you need to just recharge and recharge those creative juices and, and grow, you know. Um, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's so, that's so true. And, um, and, you know, it's okay to have lots of ideas in your head and have lots of books and lots of things ready to go. But um, it is it is all about the timing. But yeah. then people get hung up about that as well. And, you know, because I, I got, you know, halfway through writing this book and I had a bit of one of those moments where you think, do I really want to do this? Mm. Well, what am I doing this for? What are, um, what will people think? You know, so it's all yeah. those questions. And yeah. and I guess you've got, to, you've got to get to a point where you think, well, I don't, I don't really care what people think. Um, I don't really mind if people don't read it, don't understand it, and and it can be quite confronting, you know. So you know, I had to, so I published it, you know, and I, I sent you know a copy of my first book to my parents, you know, because yeah, yeah, probably yeah. The most prolific orders of my book. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and but then I shared the story with the rest of my family with some with some of my brothers, and, and some of them thought, yeah, that's great, you know, well done, good on you, and then others, it's like, well. You know, they'd, they'd never even acknowledge it or, or speak about it. Um, and, and I get that because um, for some people it's, um, you know, writing stuff down and, and, and telling stories can be quite, um, yeah, quite, a, quite an interesting process for people. And, and, it, and you get really interesting reactions from people as well. So, you know, I've had people write to me and say, you know, your poems are, are rubbish. Um, you know, what do you think you're doing and all this sort of stuff. Uh, and mm. other people have said, well, they're really great and they've really spoken to me. And at the end of the day, it's like, well, you choose to read um, what people think of your work. You know, you, you choose to read the good things or, or read nothing. I mean, it, it really it really doesn't matter. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, mm. if, I think if you're getting criticised, you're probably doing something right. I think that's a, you know, I think that's a, I think getting criticised is a sign of doing something right. Not a thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's generally been my um, experience. Uh, yeah, yeah. you have, <laughs> you have, you have people who can tell you the truth, and people you trust, and who care about you, and um, who are invested in, in in you, who you can hear critique from, um, but other yeah. people you don't need to hear critique from, and you just as long as you're being true to your story and true to, you know, what you're what you're here to do, and you know, mm. I think that's the most important thing. You know. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's awesome what you're doing. I mean, it, it really is. It's great. I, I mean, I've read your blog as well. Your blog's fantastic, and I want. I want to. Well, actually, yes. Where where can people find you online? That's a good good point. Um, so you, you can go to my website, which is um, nz. So that's probably the best place to find um, um, you know what I've been doing over the last few years. Um, um, and some of my poetry there's a link link to the book um, a few other things on there yep. great and what's the book called? Uh, the book is called Beautiful Mystery um, yeah so so it's a um, yeah you know the, the hardest thing 
as, as choosing a book title, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, yes. I know, yes. I know your your mate and mine, Rob Bell, is really good with book book titles. So um, yes, I, I'd like to have that gift where you can write a really good book title because that was probably one of the most hardest things to come up with. But uh, at the end of the day, it's uh, um, you know it's a couple of words that, that speak to me, and 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 they are sort of it's a bit of a they're opposites. So it is about the mystery, and it's about the divine the divine dance. It's about um, you know, listening for that quiet voice where God is leading you to, and um, and you know, poetry can do that really well. I mean, there's a there's a quote here, um, you know, by by a UK poet called David White, and he, he talks about this and explains this much better than I, I can. So, I mean, what he says about poetry is that the poet lives and writes at the frontier between deep internal experience and the revelation of the outer world. There's no going back once this frontier has been reached. A new territory is visible, and what has been said cannot be unsaid. And, and what I really like about his quote is it's all about trying to say the unsayable mm. um, and trying to trying to use words to take people into a place, into a journey, and into the um, the mystery of where you know God is speaking to them. So you know if if yeah if that works, if that works then great because that's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, yeah, poetry is wonderful because it's like poetry is like a painting with words because you can read a poem at a different point in your life and it can be the same poem, but it will mean something completely different to you. And you'll, and, and two people can read the same poem and be, be impacted in a completely different way. Um, depending on where they are in their journey. It's like when you go and look at a, a piece of art in a gallery, you look yeah. at it from the context of your story and yeah, yeah, who you yeah. are. Um, yeah. So it's different for everyone. Um, mm. And it's the same, I think it's the same with poetry. I mean, obviously, it's probably, probably still the same with other forms of art, art as well, like, you know, like writing and films and stuff. But I think mm. poetry and, and, um, and painting and, 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 you know, art of that kind, kind of that, that's so abstract that mm. you anyone can come to it differently and be moved. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Oh, quote. That's a really that's a really good way of looking at it. And I've often thought that you know using words, whether you're writing or whether you're whether it's poetry, you know, is, off, is often like a tapestry. So you know those old mm. tapestries that used to hang in you know the medieval you know castles. So you can look at one side and, and it's, there's a beautiful image or a, or a pattern of, you know, what the artist was trying to do. If you go around and look at the other side, all you can see is a whole lot of knots and frayed edges and mm. and it's a real mess. Um, but it's still a tapestry, you know. So, mm. and, and I guess the invitation is, uh, you know, which side do you want to look, look at? And do you want to actually look at one side and then go around the other and look at another side of the story? Mm. And, and do you want to take people with you on that journey? Um, so I, I think that's a really, I really like that image as a, as a, as a poet, as a writer, um, if you can take people on that journey, I think you're doing something pretty, pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. Well, your poetry is very special. Um, oh, and, thanks, James. Um, honestly, yeah, it's wonderful, um, and um, I want to recommend it to everybody. Um, go and check out his website um, and check out that book, um, um, and let's get those sales up and. Um, it deserves it deserves to sell well, you know, with poetry like that. Yeah, well, 
Um, see if we can get up to see if we can get up to ten books sold, eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, and thank and just thank and just yeah, I want to encourage you. Just keep going, keep writing poetry yeah, well, um, because it's, it's yeah, you definitely got a gift, and I think we yeah, I think the world needs to hear more of it. So uh, yeah. Well, thanks, thanks, James. You've been been very kind. It's been a, been an absolute pleasure to be on your um, on your podcast. Yeah, maybe one day I'll have you back. So um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. you're the first poet we've had on the show. So. Uh, oh well. And that's yeah, which is bizarre considering we've been going for three years. So um, yeah. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you. Um, great. Okay. Well, take care, everybody. Thanks for listening, and um, talk to you soon.